Good morning. Welcome to First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We are a spiritual community dedicated to the free search for truth, meaning, and beauty, and all are welcome here. We come from a long tradition that sees a spark of the divine in each person, and it is in that spirit that I invite you to greet the holy around you by turning to your left, right, forward, and backward and saying hello to people this morning. It is also our tradition in Unitarian Universalist churches to light a chalice, the symbol of our faith, to begin our services. Join me in saying our words for lighting the chalice, which is printed in your order of service. In the light of truth, in the warmth of love, we gather to seek, to find, and to share. Come into this sacred space. Come dwell together upon this hallowed ground. Come bringing your hopes your dreams, your aspirations. Come also bringing your secret fears and disappointments, your hurt and sorrow, your fragility, your uncertainty. Come into this community of nurturing, transformative love. Come, let us worship together. Especially during times like we've witnessed in the past days, weeks, and months with so much violence, so much bloodshed, becomes really important for us to know what binds us together, both as a religious community and with our larger world. And people sometimes ask Unitarian Universalists, well, if you don't have any creed, if there's not a standard set of beliefs that everybody has to sign on to, then what does bind you all together? Well, I think we're bound together in our mutual covenant We're bound together with our Unitarian Universalist principles and sources. And in this church, we have a set of values out of which arose our mission. It's our common purpose that binds us together in the world, and we say it together every Sunday. We gather in community to nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice. After the blinding rains came and washed away the foundations... After the howling winds blew through windows, shattering glass and tearing apart wooden blinds and curtain fabrics, once the bombs had knocked down even the walls made of such precise and rugged stone and fires had ravaged wooden rafters, I stumbled amidst the rubble of what was left, crying out for all that had been lost, unable to make repairs and build anew, searching for some new materials that might withstand such devastations. And then I saw you, and also you, and all of the ones following each of you, each carrying with you your own fragments of what had been, some of you bringing new elements to strengthen our possibilities, replace what had been lost. And together... We built new structures of meaning. We created soaring towers of beauty, deep wells of understanding, walls held aloft by an infrastructure of love. And there we dwelt for a while, fortified once more, having chosen our new place and our new way of being. Now please join me in a spirit of prayer. 
Spirit of love and life, breathe into us this day an understanding that even amidst the violence and bloodshed we've been witnessing, love has not lost. Beauty is still to be found in our world. Meaning is still ours to create. Soothe our aching hearts. Remind us that hope is not a feeling. It is to be found in the actions we take, the ways of being which we offer to one another and our world. Raise up our compassion and carry it to those who were suffering because of that senseless bloodshed we have witnessed in the past months, weeks, and days. Soften our hearts that we might direct our outrage toward transforming ourselves and our communities for the better. May we bring more peace, more understanding, more love into our world. We manifest this prayer in the name of all that is holy. Now let us join together in a moment of sacred silence, remembering that in this congregation the sounds of small children count as sacred silence. Just over six years ago, my spouse Wayne was able to go with me to our Unitarian Universalist General Assembly for the first time. General Assembly, or GA, is when Unitarian Universalists from across the country and around the world come together for an annual meeting. While at that GA, I purchased a small chalice. I wanted to have a chalice to light during my own spiritual practices as a symbol to connect those individual practices with my larger Unitarian Universalist religious community. I could not have known at the time that my little chalice would take on a much different and much greater meaning in my life. For weeks before we had left for GA, Wayne had shared with me that he had been experiencing this sense of foreboding, a seemingly irrational fear that something disturbing was about to unfold. On the Wednesday after we had gotten back from GA, I came home to find Wayne nearly in tears. That morning, he had turned on his cell phone to find the number of his good friend Teresa showing on the screen. We thought, well, it's just some kind of iPhone glitch because they hadn't called each other recently. They went together, They were in medical school together and had remained great friends ever since. I'd gotten to know and love Teresa also, along with her two beautiful daughters, Tara and Jenna, whom we had first met when they were small children. In the warmth of Teresa's love, Jenna and Tara had grown into beautiful young women. They were both physically beautiful, but more importantly, they were loving, dynamic, smart, funny, talented, and had this wonderful capacity to fill those around them with joy and laughter. Thinking it was probably too early to be calling Teresa, Wayne nevertheless punched the number that had shown up on his cell phone. The voice that answered was one of agony, the deepest sorrow and sense of lost purpose that human beings can endure. 
Teresa told Wayne that Jenna had fallen and hit her head. She had died less than 24 hours later. She was 22 years old. In less than a moment, in a random flash, devoid of any apparent meaning, a beautiful part of our world, our interconnected web of existence was taken from our lives, from the lives of her family, from the lives of all of us who loved her. As Wayne told me this, I stood frozen in disbelief and horror. It was as if the random, meaningless cruelty of it was ripping at everything that I had come to believe, tearing into shreds my ability to find any sense of sacred beauty in the world at all. I was filled with sorrow for Teresa and Tara. I was devastated by the pain I could see in Wayne's face, by the way he carried his body had actually changed. I didn't know what to do with this. I couldn't process it. I couldn't understand it. I couldn't fight back against the urge to rage against the arbitrary injustice of it. I had to sit down. I had to stare blankly at walls. And I had to be with Wayne so that we could comfort and take care of each other. Later... After Wayne had gone to sleep, maybe the only refuge in a time like that, I got out the little chalice I had bought at GA, and I lit it for Jenna. I sat alone in our living room, staring at the flame and thinking of her. The flame cast beautiful reflections of its light and enchanting enchanting dancing shadows on the stone wall behind it. And as I sat and watched the dancing light from my little chalice, I began to sense in its beauty the loveliness that Jenna had brought into the world, a beauty that might still be there in some way, if only in our memories of her. It helped to think about things this way, but the thoughts were incomplete and not enough. At some point, I still had to extinguish the flame and go to bed, still filled with sorrow. Another day came and went with Wayne and I both sleepwalking through it. That evening, we spoke more of Jenna and what had happened, struggling to make sense of it and find some way to grasp at meaning when all meaning seemed to have been shattered and destroyed if it had ever existed at all. On Friday morning, I got an email message from my great friend, Nell Newton. For me... One of the great mysteries in life is how sometimes we come to the aid of those we love without even knowing that we're doing it. Nell had no way of knowing what was going on in our lives or how much her message would help. She was out of town, and she had sent the message for an entirely different reason. Still, there it was, sitting in my inbox, a ray of light and a renewal of hope from a friend in a faraway place just when it was needed most. The email had a link to a video of Senator Al Franken. He had shown up on the last day of the General Assembly and made a surprise speech. Wayne and I had missed it because we had to leave early to catch our plane. In part of his speech, Senator Franklin, Franken spoke lovingly of his father. He spoke of his father's belief that we must not only be just, but do justice, of how his father thought that nature and the earth and everything are so beautiful that there must be something behind it all, and we might as well call that something God, according to his father. 
The senator spoke proudly of his two children. He told the story of his young son who had received an award for being such a good, nice kid. When asked why he was so good, the son answered, I think it has something to do with Grandpa. With deep emotion in his voice, Senator Franken continued, To me, that's where God is. I think God is, my dad's in me, and he's in my son. As I watched him and listened to him say those words on the video that Nell had sent, my own thoughts about Jenna from that night staring at the light from my little chalice began to crystallize and become complete. I'd been reading A House for Hope, a wonderful book by John Burens and Reverend Dr. Rebecca Ann Parker. I look back at something Dr. Parker writes in that book. She writes, The divine is not a despotic monarch ruling through coercion and threat, sanctifying violence. This is not an unchanging eternal reality from which the imperfect can be condemned. This is not merely metaphor, but an actual presence, alive and afoot in the cosmos, an upholding and sheltering presence that receives and feels everything that happens with compassion and justice, offering the world back to itself in every moment with a fresh impulse to manifest the values of peace, beauty, vitality, and liberation. Everlastingly emergent, alive, responsive, creative, at one with the chaotic, messy universe we live in. My heart expanded and my thoughts grew much calmer. Whether metaphor or actual presence, I thought, if, as Dr. Parker says, there is God in the sacred beauty of our shared existence, ever-changing with our experience of that unfathomably interconnected web, then God weeps with us, I thought. And that image was somehow comforting. God weeps for Jenna, for Teresa and Tara, for all who knew and loved this amazing young woman, for the injury to the divine that her unexpected, untimely, and all-too-heartbreaking death had caused. And yet, I thought, If there is God in the sacred beauty of our shared existence, then there is the joy and light and love and laughter that was Jenna also in our web of interconnectedness. There is the beauty of Jenna always in the beauty of shared existence. I don't know if this is merely metaphor or actual presence, as Dr. Parker says it is, and it doesn't take the sorrow away completely even now. But it does help me to remember to be grateful for life and for our powerful interconnectedness, even those lives cut way too short, even at times when life seems so senseless. Now every time I light my little chalice, I remember Jenna. I am reminded in my less-than-perfect way to carry forth her capacity to fill those around us with laughter and joy. And in that way, still, there is Jenna in the experience of her that those of us who loved her cannot help but carry forward into our continued shared existence. There is great divine joy in the beauty of always being interconnected 
with Jenna. I wrote most of what I just shared with you six years ago, just after Jenna's death. Until now, though, I had only shared it with a few people, and my own theology has changed some since then. I got Teresa's permission to update it to present tense and share it with you all because I can't think of a stronger example in my own life when I struggled with our topic for today, trying to make sense of what seems senseless. When something like that happens, when horrific events like those we have witnessed in our country and our world lately occur, It can cause us to question our worldview, reconsider the way in which we find meaning and beauty, lose faith even in how we perceive that which is ultimate and provide structure and a sense of cohesiveness to our lives. Now, whether or not it involves a concept for the divine, we can end up needing to revise and reconstruct what I think we can accurately call our own personal theology. And life can throw so much at us that can seem so senseless. A sudden earthquake, storm, or tsunami that rips through a populated area and takes so many lives. Terror attacks in San Bernardino, Istanbul, Dhaka, Baghdad, just to name a few. A sudden life-threatening diagnosis when we're not even known to be at risk. Police continuing to shoot and kill African Americans under highly questionable circumstances twice in just the last week. Five police officers in Dallas killed in an apparent retaliation. A very disturbed young man who enters a nightclub in Orlando with an automatic weapon and takes out his own self-hatred on 49 innocent people. These are just a few examples. There are so many more And some of these really are senseless in that they are at least partially random weather patterns or life's chance events. The creative unfolding of our universe can include events that both both give us a perception of beauty and meaning and events that can threaten to destroy that perception. Others of these involve senseless loss, but in reality, they are the products of our own human systems that perpetuate violence, loss, and destruction. Laws, institutions, foreign policies that combine with an economic system of intense inequality and unfettered capitalism run amok that are threatening life on the planet and continuing to create the conditions that lead to extreme poverty, civil unrest and strife, oppression, war, hatred, religious extremism, and acts of terrorism. These may seem senseless, but they are in fact not the products of random chance. They are human creations. Regardless, though, how do we make sense of the senseless? Is it even possible sometimes, or do we have to look the other way for a while? I don't pretend to have all the answers. I do think, though, that one of the things we have to do, especially in the face of great losses such as those we've been witnessing is to allow ourselves to feel the emotions, to dwell in that worldview torn and shattered for a while. We have to process the grief and the heart sickness and the confusion, and we have to accept the anger that so often comes with it so that we can channel that anger in healthy directions that can avoid more destruction, as we saw with the killing of those police officers in Dallas this past week.
channel them in directions that can instead be our efforts to create change that's beneficial, whether in our private lives or in the public sphere. Perhaps, for instance, we can channel that anger toward demanding sensible gun laws that will keep automatic weapons out of the hands of average citizens so that our country might one day no longer be the gun massacre capital of the world. When events like the latest gun massacre or that unexpected diagnosis strike, life can feel like the rug has been pulled out from under us at such times. We realize that we're fragile creatures and the events of our lives are unknown and uncertain and often outside of our control. Our agency then is to be found in how we respond to them. And I think that like I had to do after the senseless accident that took Jenna's brilliant life, sometimes sometimes we have to reconstruct our worldview out of the rubble that is left of what we had believed before. And we do that both as an individual quest, examining and re-examining our own spiritual spirituality, and we also need a community in which to do that, a community to lament with us, a community to celebrate the memory of that which we have lost, and a community to hold us when we are in danger of falling into unyielding despair. Communally, We provide each other with the building blocks for creating a new, more nuanced and mature understanding of our world that none of us can find alone amidst that rubble that was left from how we made meaning and found beauty in the past. That's exactly the process that those of us who love Jenna found that we needed. That's exactly how so many people are responding to the senselessness in Orlando, Baton Rouge, Dallas, and elsewhere. Muslim and LGBT communities that have reached out to one another and found themselves coming together in shared purposes even greater than each had known before. Environmental groups declaring solidarity with the Black Lives Matter movement. I find reason for hope in this. For thousands of years, humankind has imagined goddesses and gods that brought all that exists, including us, into being. I'm beginning to think that maybe it works the exact opposite way. Maybe, maybe when we reach out with love toward one another across our differences, and even in the face of the tragic and the inexplicable, together, Together we find new, more creative, and life-giving ways of constructing meaning and finding beauty in our world. Maybe we co-create the divine, bring blessings into our world that so badly needs them right now. May we make that so. Amen. Now, please say with me the words for extinguishing our chalice, which are printed in your order of service. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. Now, as we go out into that wide, beautiful world we are working to save, know that together we can make a difference. Together we create the courage to act, 
the power to make life-giving change, the nourishment that sustains our spirits. Together, we discover the sacred that already exists within that web of all existence of which we are part. May the congregation say amen Amen. and blessed be. Go in peace. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at www.austinuu.org.